0: church. It is great to be here. I needed to be in the presence of God. I needed the Holy Spirit and his anointing. I mean, we need it all the time, don't we? But I really needed it today. And uh, well, my grand arrival at Crossgate didn't go according to plan, did it? (laughs) Well, not according to my plans. Anyway, I just want to thank you for all of your prayers, Nice little messages that were sent to me over the last week or so. I am on the mend. And uh, I'm to take it easy for a couple of weeks. This is the first thing I've done. I'm gonna, I wish I could stay for the Jubilee celebration, but I'm gonna just need to leave after the service. And, uh, but really the Lord has been good. Your prayers have been answered. I am recovering at top speed. And I believe that God works all things together for his good. And uh, it might not have been my plans or your plans, but God's plans are going to be fulfilled in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? amen? Well, today is a very unusual day because it is both Pentecost Sunday and it is the queen's platinum jubilee both of them happening at the same time and you know it uh, actually some of the aspects of the queen's platinum jubilee make a very good illustration of pentecost and so that's what we're going to do. We're going to celebrate. We're celebrating Pentecost, which is the jubilee, the anniversary of the birth of the church, of Christ's queen, the bride of Christ. The day of Pentecost was when the church was born, and it was born in an outpouring of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And that the queen's jubilee which is the anniversary of her coronation when she was anointed with oil and set in as queen is a great illustration of the day of Pentecost. And so it it gives me the opportunity to touch on both. And so I've called this message today the Royal Anointing. Can you shout that out with me? The Royal Anointing we sang it, didn't we? We were beggars, but now we're what? Royalty. Do you know that the Bible says that when we believe in Jesus, we're no longer beggars, we're no longer orphans, we're no longer even just sinners. We are heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We are seated with Christ in heavenly places, and we are royalty. He is the king of kings. Well, who's the kings that he's king of kings over? It's us. The Bible said we have been made kings and priests unto our God. And so we have been given a royal anointing. And so that's what I want to talk about today today. I want to talk about the anointing of the Holy Spirit that was poured out on God's people on the day of Pentecost and is still poured out on his church today. And if you've not experienced the outpouring and the infilling and the baptism and the endowment of the Holy Spirit, you're in the right place today. Today is the day for you to receive an impartation, and for all of us to receive a fresh anointing from the Holy Spirit. And so I have expectation that God is going to move in us and through us and in this place today. So first of all, I said that the Queen's Jubilee is a great illustration of that. And that is because the Jubilee is the anniversary of the queen's coronation, and I don't know if you know this, but the queen's coronation was her ascension and her anointing. There it is there. It was her ascension and anointing. Do you know that when a king or a queen is crowned during their coronation service, do you know that that's called their ascension to the throne? That's the official name for it. Their ascension to the throne. And when the queen... Now, the queen's coronation here in, here in the United Kingdom, when a monarch is crowned, you might not be aware of how rooted in the Bible the coronation service is. In fact, much of it follows the coronation of the kings and queens of ancient Israel and Judah in the Bible. In fact, the coronation stone, the stone of destiny, which is currently on display in Edinburgh Castle, but which is brought for coronations and which the queen sat on, which she was crowned, is, according to both tradition and ancient Christian history, the same coronation stone, that the ancient kings and queens were crowned upon in the city of Jerusalem. And so there's a great tradition in the prayers that are prayed and the scriptures that are read during the coronation of one of our monarchs here in the United Kingdom is so rooted in the Bible. The Archbishop of Canterbury takes the place of the Israelite high priest in the ceremony. And so, that the coronation of a monarch is called his or her, in this case, ascension to the throne. And maybe like me, you're not old enough to remember the coronation, but maybe you've watched The Crown. Has anybody watched The Crown on Netflix? Give me a little wave. Have you seen The Crown? So, you might know this, that when... The, during the queen's coronation ceremony, it was televised. It was the first time it was ever, a coronation was ever televised. But there was one point in the coronation that the cameras were not allowed to record. And what happened at that moment was a tabernacle, a canopy, was brought over the queen and the archbishop, where the archbishop anointed her with oil, and the reason it was not allowed to be televised was because they prayed and believed that at that moment, that God would anoint her with his Holy Spirit, with a royal anointing. And it was regarded as such a sacred moment that it wasn't allowed to be televised. And so, the queen's coronation service was about her ascension to the throne and about her anointing with oil symbolizing God anointing her with a royal anointing of the Holy Spirit. Now, isn't that a great parable, a great illustration of what God has done for us? Because you see, the day of Pentecost is all about Jesus' ascension, And the anointing of his queen, of his church, the bride of Christ. Because before the day of Pentecost happened, of course, we know that 50 days before that, Easter happened. We know that Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for our sins and for our salvation. That three days later, he rose from the dead that for 40 days after that, he appeared to many witnesses, sometimes one on their own, sometimes two or three, sometimes all the disciples. At 1.500 people at one time, Jesus appeared again and again, proving, the Bible says, with many infallible proofs that he was risen from the dead and was alive. And then came the time for Jesus' coronation as King of kings and Lord of lords, when he would ascend to the throne, when he would ascend back to the Father and take his rightful place at the right hand of the Father and would rule and would reign over his people. But right before his ascension, he said to his disciples, don't do anything yet, But wait until you receive power from on high. For John baptized with water. But in a few days you shall be baptized or immersed or saturated with the Holy Spirit. And Jesus ascended to his throne. He ascended back to the Father. And then he poured out on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit, a royal anointing, a divine anointing, the very presence of God that no longer like the Old Testament would God be hidden behind a veil in a tabernacle or a temple with an Ark of the Covenant, but that God's presence, God's Holy Spirit would come and dwell in us that we would be the temple of the Holy Spirit. And not only would he dwell within us, but he would overflow from us, that from out of our innermost being would flow rivers of living water, that the anointing of God's Spirit would not just be for us, it would be for us to change us, to transform us, to sanctify us, to make us into the people that God wanted us to be. But more than that, it would also empower us so that we can do the things that God has called us to do. And then you know the story. I'm sure you know the story of the day of Pentecost. Ian reminded us last week of it. I watched online. And... uh, The the Bible says this, that all of the believers were waiting together in a room, a room like this. They were gathered together, and they were praying. And it says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were there, and they were praying, and then something happened. There came from heaven the sound, a sound as of a mighty rushing wind, it wasn't a wind, it was like a wind. This, it was a spiritual thing, not a physical thing. There came the sound like as of a mighty rushing wind and it filled the whole place. Do you know that God's presence fills this whole place? You might be aware of it and you might not. I was aware of it during the worship, but his presence fills this place. And then it says there appeared something that looked like Flames of fire, lighting and landing on each person's head, causing them to glow with God's presence. And then it says, And they all were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them to do so. And this attracted the attention of all the people. People wondered what was going on. You, rem- you might remember a couple of weeks ago when I was sharing my, t- my story, my testimony, I mentioned that as a-, a non-Christian, I was taken to this house church and they were all playing guitars and clapping and singing, and I was really embarrassed and thought they were all religious nuts. And then the place went really quiet and I be- and somebody began to gently sing in tongues. I could hear it. What's going on? And it began to spread. It spread throughout the whole room that we were in until it sounded like a choir of angels were there. And all of a sudden it captured my attention and I thought, God is real. This is real. Something real and powerful. The atmosphere changed. The presence of God was there as it sounded like an angel choir singing. And in that day, I didn't give my, I still resisted. I still fought for a few months. I didn't want to give up all my, what I thought was a great lifestyle, which was a terrible lifestyle. But at that moment, I knew that God was real. I knew that God was in that place. And I knew that his power and presence could touch and change and fill a person's life. And so that's what happened on the day of Pentecost. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were given his power. They began to speak in tongues. And then from then on, Acts chapter 2, as we read through the rest of the book of Acts, we find out that they now had the presence of God with them to transform their lives and to transform other people's lives. And they had the power of God with them to move in the same way that Jesus did, to heal the sick, to set the captive free, to receive guidance from God through prophetic dreams and prophetic words, and to move in the miraculous power of the Holy Spirit. And that's really what the day of Pentecost is all about. It's about God giving us the power of the Holy Spirit to transform our lives And to empower us so that we can be used by God to transform other people's lives. And that thing that transforms our lives, in the Bible, it calls it the fruit of the Spirit. And the power that we have to transform other people's lives, the Bible calls it the gifts of the Spirit. And the Bible tells us, if we move on, click on, the Bible talks about the nine gifts and the nine fruit of the Spirit. And if we want to be the people of God the way God wants us to be, church, can I tell you, we need the nine fruit of the Spirit, and we need the nine gifts of the Spirit. We need everything that the Holy Spirit brings to us. If we really want to be the church that we see in the New Testament, the church that Jesus founded, the church which is indwelt by and empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. Now, I've put a dove here in this image. And the reason I've put a dove is because I'm sure you know that quite often in the Bible, the Holy Spirit is likened to a dove. I'm sure you know the story that when, when Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist, the Bible says he went, when he came up out of the water, the heavens were opened. And it says the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus like a dove. Now, it wasn't a dove, okay? Okay. I saw one of these Jesus movies once. You know, there's lots of different Jesus movies. And I saw one of the Jesus movies once. And in it, they had Jesus being baptized and then a dove flew down and landed on his shoulder. It's like, it wasn't a dove. It doesn't say it was a dove. It said the Holy Spirit alighted on him like a dove. The Holy Spirit came like this two-winged dove and gracefully landed on Jesus. Jesus. And I'm sure you all know that a dove needs two wings to fly. If a dove, like any other bird, only had one wing, it's not going to take off. And if it does manage to get off the ground, it's just going to go round and round in circles. Do you know that we need both wings of the Holy Spirit if we want to be the people of God? We need The nine gifts of the Spirit and the nine fruit of the Spirit. Imagine the Holy Spirit being like a dove with nine feathers in each wing. And for that dove to take off, for that dove to soar into the heavens, and for that dove to travel wherever it's meant to go, it needs both of those Wings functioning, doesn't it? You know, none of us are perfect. We're all a work in progress. But, and I don't mean to be critical at all because I could turn what I'm about to say back on myself as much as about anyone else. But over my years of being a Christian, I've noticed that there are some churches that are really, really strong on the fruit of the Spirit. They're filled with lovely people who are kind and who are patient and who are Christ-like in so many ways. And yet their churches never take off. Their churches seem to be lacking in power. They don't have any of the gifts of the Spirit. They don't have any of the power of God there. Some of them don't even believe that there is gifts of the Spirit today. And they can be the most loving and kind and Christ-like people, but their churches just seem to go round and round in circles and never actually take off because they're trying to operate in one wing. And then I've seen other churches. I've been to a few of them. And they're, they're like the opposite. They're all about the gifts of the Spirit. Oh, they're always speaking in tongues and getting slain in the spirit and rebuking demons. There's a whole lot of shake, rattling and rolling going on. But there's not very much kindness and gentleness and Christ-likeness. If you don't believe me, you can find all these preachers on YouTube. Believe me. Oh, they're always wanting to prophesy to you and rebuke demons out of you and so on. But it's all very harsh. And it doesn't come across as the spirit of Jesus. And you know, they don't take over either. I noticed this as a young pastor. As a young pastor, and I used to meet with other pastors. And I noticed that sometimes the most Holy Ghost pastors had the tiniest little churches but they would brag every week about how the fire of God fell in our service on Sunday. Yeah, the same 14 people fell on the floor that fall on the floor every week, you know? But like, didn't Jesus say, I will build my church? There's nothing being built because they too have got one wing and they're going round and round in circles. Listen, if we want to be truly spirit-filled believers, then we need to have both wings of the dove of the Holy Spirit with nine feathers in each wing. We want to have the power of God. We want to have the gift of prophecy. We want to see people miraculously healed. Thank God you people were praying for me. Can I tell you something? When, before I was put under the general anesthetic, when the surgeon came into the room, he walked in just as the nurse was saying, I see it says reverend here. Are you a vicar or whatever? And I said, well, I'm, I'm a pastor. And the surgeon walked in and he said, oh, praise the Lord. I'm a spirit-filled Christian. The Lord is going to do something great for you today. And I thought, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> And the nurse is saying, What are you one of these people as well that have these bands in the, up in the platform? And a lot of. He said, Oh, yes. In my, I don't know what church he goes to, but he said, In my church, we love to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. That was the last thing I heard before I went out. <laughs> <laughs> the Lord just orchestrates everything you need, doesn't he? And so. If we want to be truly spirit-filled believers, we need the nine gifts of the Spirit and we need the nine fruit of the Spirit. Let's just have a look at the nine gifts of the Spirit here. We find them in, in 1 Corinthians. Let's put it up. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it says this. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can brag about how awesome we are. Is that what it says? No, it doesn't say that. It says a spiritual gift is given to each of us. Read it with me. So we can help each other. That's the purpose of the spiritual gifts. So we can help each other. And then Paul writes, um, to one person, the spirit gives special wisdom. I've underlined all nine of the gifts. Uh, To another The same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another, and to someone else, the Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles, and to another, the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern between the Spirit of God and another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown tongues, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. That's one wing of the dove that we need. We need all of those things that we saw there. I would love Crossgate to be a church where miracles happen, where people get healed We were not wandering about saying, I wonder what we should do next. Let's call a business meeting and invent a plan. But instead the word of the Lord is coming to us so clearly that we're following his direction and guidance. That's the kind of people we want to be, isn't it? A people and a church who are empowered with the nine gifts of the Spirit. But we don't want to be flaky and kooky and weirdos either. We want to be balanced the way God wants us to be balanced. And therefore, we also need the other wing. Because if we have both wings, I believe this church can take off in a way that it's never took off before. It can soar into higher heights with the Lord than we've ever been before. And we can travel further and reach more people than we've ever reached before if we have both wings operating. And the other wing is the nine fruit of the Spirit. Let's have a look at Galatians. Paul says, The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience. That's the one I need, I'll tell you. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, And self-control. I've seen people do ridiculous things and claim, I couldn't help it. It was the Holy Spirit. He made me do it. No, he didn't. Because the Holy Spirit produces self-control, not out of control. Do you see that? We need a balanced approach to the Holy Spirit so that we can become balanced believers and a balanced church because that's the only kind of thing that can take off, go as high as the Lord calls it to go, and as far as the Lord leads it to go. These are the nine fruit of the Spirit and self-control. There is no law against these things. There's no law in the Bible that says, right, you've been loving enough, you're not allowed to be any more loving. And hey, that's enough joy. Just calm down. There's a limit to the amount. There's no limit to the amount of the fruit of the Spirit that we are allowed to produce in our life. God wants us to produce abundant fruit in our life. And he says here, those who belong to Christ Jesus, if you belong to Jesus, shout hallelujah. So the next thing's talking about you, right? Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed their passions and the desires of their sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our life. Let's follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our life. In our family life, in our work life, in our driving and rush hour traffic life, as well as in our church life, okay? In every part of our life, we need the two-winged dove. We need the nine gifts and the nine fruit of the Spirit. They balance each other out beautifully. Now... Strictly speaking, it's not nine gifts and nine fruit. I know it lists nine things here, but you want to know the absolute truth? You don't have to go after this fruit or that fruit or say, I want this gift or that gift. Here's the truth. There's one gift and one fruit. The one gift is the gift of the Holy Spirit. When we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, he, he can do anything he wants through us. Anytime he wants and any place he wants because we have, we've not gone after, oh, I want the gift of prophecy. It's no, I want the gift of God. I want the gift of God's spirit in my life. And then he can work any way he wants through me. You know, I mentioned that, you know, for those of us, in churches like this, we sometimes think it's a bit silly when we see bishops with the big pointy hats and all the dresses and all of that kind of stuff because we know that God can use you in a pair of jeans and a t-shirt, can't he? But all of that stuff is to hearken back to the days of the temple in Israel when the high priest wore certain robes can you go back to, that, back to that picture, please? And on the bottom of his robes, the Bible said, he had bells and pomegranates. It was a bell, a pomegranate, a bell, a pomegranate, a bell, a pomegranate. And the bells were, were metal bells that could ring, but the pomegranates were made of fabric and they were to hang in between because they wanted the bells to to tinkle like bells, ding ling ling-ling, but they didn't want the bells to clash together and make an unpleasant sound. So there was a cushion in between them of the pomegranates. You know, the pomegran- a pomegranate is a fruit, and the pomegranates around the high priest's robe were to symbolize the fruit of the spirit and the bells, which attract your you know, bells are there to attract your attention that's why we put them on cats' collars, to warn the little birdies, my cat's coming, and it might kill you, but the cat, the bird hears the bell ringing, or you're out looking for your cat, here kitty, kitty, where are you? And then you hear ding, ding, oh it's over there, and then you go and find it. The bell attracts your attention. I told you, when I was in that house church meeting as an unbeliever, I was embarrassed, I felt awkward, but when the singing in tongues began to happen, it attracted my attention. Like, A bell's beautifully tinkling around the room. You see, if the bells were there, if there was just the gifts, but the pomegranates weren't there, if we had the gifts of the Spirit, but not the fruit, we would be like clanging gongs, as we'll see in a second. We need a balance between the gifts and the fruit. We want to have the power of God to work miracles, but we want to actually do it in a kind and gentle way with people. You know? And so, there's really one gift and one fruit. There's one gift and then there's one fruit with nine flavors. Let's have a look at the one gift. Let's look at the next verse. Uh, Acts 2. Peter said, this is on the day of Pentecost, when the crowd gathered and he preached. Peter said, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, then you will receive the gift. Not nine gifts, but the gift, the one and only gift. Not the gifts of the Spirit, but the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's the real gift we receive. We receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And he has all the gifts and all the fruit within him to manifest through our our lives. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, this was not just for, it's not just for the early church. Some Christians think, oh yeah, that was just for Bible times, but it's not for today. Or sometimes people say, yeah, I'm a Presbyterian and that's just for the Pentecostals. No, it's not just for some people and not for others. Look, for this promise, what promise? The promise that if you repent of your sins and turn to God and put your faith in Jesus and are baptized and follow him, the promise that you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit is for you and for your children. And to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. The power of the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit is for everyone who has become part of the people of God. So don't go chasing after gifts. This gift, that gift, the next gift. Go chasing after God. Seek God and ask God to fill you with his spirit. And with his presence, and then anything else that you need, it's there when you need it. It's one, there's one gift, really. And there's also one fruit, really. It tells us in First Corinthians 13, have a look at this. He talks about love. And he actually says, to quote the Beatles, all you need is love. That's what he says. He says, if you've got love, Everything else is there as well. Didn't Jesus say we should love the Lord our God and love our neighbor as ourselves? Look, if I spoke in the tongues of men and angels but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy brass or a clanging cymbal. I would be walking about with the bells but with no pomegranates and the bells would be clanging. You know, sometimes people see You know, the gifts of the Spirit being used in a kind of perhaps distasteful manner. And it puts them off instead of draws them in. It's clanging. It's a cacophony. It's just a a melee. If you have the bells but not the pomegranates to cushion them. If you have the gifts but not the fruit. Have not love. I would just be a noisy brass or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. Now, remember we looked at the nine fruit, love, joy, peace, patience. It's all really love. If you love someone, you'll be patient with them. If you love someone, you'll be kind towards them. Look, he tells us, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. It keeps no record of being wrong. It doesn't rejoice about injustice, but has joy. These are all the fruit of the Spirit. The nine fruit of the Spirit all come out of the first one, love. If you love the Lord with all your being, you will, have, you will rejoice in the Lord. You will have joy in life. Whenever the truth wins out, love never gives up. It never loses faith. It is always hopeful. It endures through every circumstance. Listen, if we could be empowered with the gift of the Holy Spirit and motivated by the love of God, then we would have all the gifts and all the fruit that we could ever need happening and working through our lives And in the life of our church. So let me close by saying this. I want us to all be filled. And not just once, you know. Oh, I was filled with the Spirit in 1969. Yeah, and you've been as dry as an old reason since then, you know. Be filled and go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. going to invite the worship team to come up, the prayer team to come down the front, and all of us to stand this morning, because I want to pray for us. I want to pray for all of us that we would be filled afresh with the Holy Spirit. But also the prayer team are going to be available to pray for those of you who perhaps have never yet experienced that first baptism in the holy spirit that endowment with power maybe you are a christian you want to follow jesus but you feel like you don't have the power in your life that you need today's the day to receive that power let's just bow our heads and close our eyes for a moment and let's just still our hearts before the Lord and before I pray just in the stillness of your own heart talk to the Lord and ask him do you need the power of the Holy Spirit are you lacking that which would cause you to rise up and soar in your faith like a dove. Do you need to experience a baptism, an empowerment, and an infilling with the Holy Spirit? Maybe for the very first time. Or maybe you once walked with the Lord like that, but these days you feel empty and dry, and you need a fresh infilling of the Spirit. If that's you, could you just slip your hand up right now and say, yes, I need prayer for that. Okay, all of you with your hands up, come on down the front. We're going to pray for you here. Come on, we're going to lay hands upon you. We're going to believe that God's going to touch you. Come on, just stand here. We're going to believe that God's going to touch you in a fresh way. Can I just encourage you to just... However you feel comfortable, lift up your hands to the Lord. Just get in an an attitude of receiving from Him. Come and find a little gap that you can stand in. And all of us, let's all of us, wherever we are, just receive from the Lord. Let's all of us close our eyes and let's say this prayer today. Let's say it together. Father God, I come to you today asking you to fill me, empower me, and anoint me with your Holy Spirit. Jesus said, you would give the gift of the Spirit to everyone who asks. Today I ask And I believe that I shall receive right here and right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, I just pray for a fresh touch of your anointing to come upon everyone right now in Jesus' name. As the worship team just lead us in a closing song of worship, as we pray for you, wherever you may be, whether we're laying hands on you or back there or you're joining us online, just open up to the Lord. Perhaps you'll begin to pray in other tongues. Perhaps you'll feel a new sense of peace and power coming upon you. However God wants to touch you, Just receive it now in Jesus' name.